Van 13 in Prime Pizarro. Uh, what's the location of Van 13? You're listening to it. Uh, I'm here. We, we didn't turn into like radio personalities from the 70s. We did. That's oh, we did. That was the shift when you, when you, when you shift to new mediums. So I'm here with Lenny DeFranco, co-host of Van 13. This is episode Hello. zero. We're starting with episode zero. How's it going, Lenny? Great. Excellent. Uh, and we have uh, our first guest, uh, first new episode of the new podcast, and uh, we have our first guest. Hey, kicking, kicking us off. Kicking us off. Mr. Welcome. John Light, media entertainer, <laughs> sex symbol. <laughs> yes. Yeah, happy to uh, be here on yeah. this uh, premiere. Yeah. John, cool. can you uh, intro yourself? Yeah, sure. So I am a guy who uh, I work for Bill Moyers of uh, Power of Myth fame, I oh, guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, you know, we have a political website now, and uh, he hasn't been on the air for some time, but we have takes and various things there, trying to keep tabs on what's going on with Trump and all that. Does he keep any, uh, but to, now back on the thing I'm interested in, yeah. is, does he still keep up with like Joseph Campbell kind of stuff, like power of myth, like, or, or is it just mostly, it's all in strict It's politics. mostly politics. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I think that maybe that's like, you know, he was doing like his PBS thing for right. a while and now, I don't know, this is like his passion. Is Joseph Campbell alive? And, like, I don't think died. so. No, he died, he's gone. He died, he died gloriously, <laughs> I'm sure. He, <laughs> he died, fell into a volcano saving he, something. He died right before the reboot, the, the Star Wars prequels. And that's why... Like, wow. everyone says that George Lucas... Maybe he died in the actual movie. He's like, oh, this is so shitty. <laughs> well, he could, that was the thing. Is George Lucas consulted with him. He's famous for that. Consulted on the original movies. And that's why they have such, like, staying power. Yeah, Luke Skywalker's on the cover of that book, isn't it? Yeah. The hero, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, so, anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna just going to... So, you work for Joseph Campbell. Yes, right, right. <laughs> Pleasure to have you here. Um, yeah. I'm going to, yeah, uh, talk about how uh, Trump, you know, his personal mythologies and all that. Nice. Yeah. Actually, I think we're going to come back. I'd like to talk about Bill Moore. Uh, if you, you don't want... We don't have to talk about it, but when we talk, start going back about the Sinclair merger and mm-hmm. like public media, I'd be interested to talk about that. But that's just one of the main yeah. topics. But yeah, I don't know, Lenny, what are we talking about today? So there's lots happening in our uh, cataclysmic <laughs> decline of our empire. Um, so the thing that we kind of at- tacked on to the last minute is that uh, today uh, Trump uh, basically, well, Jeff, not Trump specifically, because Trump didn't want to go out and say anything about it. So he asked Jeff Sessions to go out and Formally, he asked the Keebler elf to go out and <laughs> say, <laughs> say that Dasa was ending, and just like in his best foghorn leghorn voice, just say, just say, say I hate dreams. I, I do hate declare <laughs> the Mexicans have to go. It's it's actually super interesting to me the fact that Trump doesn't want to own this at all. He's just trying to not have anything to do with it. Yeah. He's just shoving Jeff Sessions out there and blaming these lawyers or these uh, state attorneys general for forcing his hand. And, why, yeah. why would he also? Why would Jeff Sessions do that? I mean, he's also said like they've been. So, I mean, they've had a pretty antagonistic relationship. I don't understand why he would be his errand boy. Jeff Sessions kind of is being <laughs> such a beta cock. Yeah. Yes, the fact that he is still working for this guy. I know. The, the funny thing about it to me, like, like, why is he doing it? It's not only, like, he's... This is the problem with that electing outsiders is that he literally doesn't know that he doesn't have to keep campaign promises. Right. You know, right, he can right. just not do it. Right. Yeah, he said that shit, but he did that to win the Republican primary. You know, well, I think it's only to We talked about this on our, our la- the last episode of our former podcast, where it was just like, it just goes with the theme of Trump is just like, I have to roll back everything Obama did. I just right, have to right, consistently, right, right. it's just like, I got to, I'm going down a reverse order list of unchecking all the things that he did and, right. and going from there. So, yeah. Um, that's, a, I mean, 
I, I don't know. I didn't really read enough about other than Jeff says and said it's over. And they they're going to give a temporary grace, I think, to some of the people in the. I, I I you know what I read it was six months, okay. and then they. I mean, the really kind of weird thing that was reported, I think, towards the end of the day at uh, the Daily Beast, or I think it was the Daily Beast. They, uh, they're going to use. So if you're a DACA recipient, you have to register right. with the government, right? right? So they've got all of your information. Mm-hmm. So they're going to use this information right. to start deporting people. Yeah, like yeah, they, they said, it's like you know, they, they just cut the cut the middleman out. Like we don't right. even have to do any investigative work. We know exactly where you it are. It is funny. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's it's tragic. It's funny though because it's almost like this. They're saying like this is why we don't want a gun registry because <laughs> hey, yeah, you're right. Gun, these registries can be used for you know horrible things like the no fly list, which apparently right. was not good enough to keep people from getting guns. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's it's really sad. Um, it's like voluntary. Um, I don't know. These people were like trying to, you know, live within some kind of confines and now they basically can't. I, I think that it it's still probably nothing going to happen. Like, it will be interesting to see if the Republicans are able to do something to try to pass like a Dream Act type thing, uh, especially given that um, they fought tooth and nail for it. I mean, the thing I was mentioning before was like when in 2012, uh, Marco Rubio attempted to mm-hmm. pass a like a attenuated version of. Um, the Dream Act, or at least work on it, and it—I didn't know this, but apparently it was actually written by. It was partly drafted by Orrin Hatch. Like this is a—it was in Dick Durbin. It was a bipartisan um, effort. The Dream Act originally, it had a lot of support. It's eminently reasonable. I mean, right. it's like. Um, you know, it makes sense on like a human level and an economic level and everything. And well, particularly, all these most of the dreamers are just like essentially economic or political and military refugees from like Honduras or right. El Salvador or like places that are just countries that have been destabilized by things that we eagerly did in um, past yeah, American yeah. global <laughs> capitalism and aggressive like end of Cold War and mid-90s policies where it was like hey you know it's be super great <laughs> you know you're a socialist you're leaning a democratically elected president uh, we're gonna throw him in a river right, right. <laughs> did they and do that to someone? no I think well I mean that, I'm thinking more of Probably. that's like Chile where with the like uh, uh, the Pinochet regime, but like I think in, in El Salvador for sure, El Salvador essentially, which is just like we talked about it before, was a like it's an American colony almost, in, in, where they um, uh, elect the, the democratically elected government was either destabilized or overthrown. Guatemala as well. Uh, I mean that's a little bit earlier in the. I think the we also Guat- gave them syphilis intentionally. I know, and we did a lot. I mean we. Don't, I didn't do it. <laughs> the School of the Americas, maybe, and the CIA did it. But uh, I, I, I don't and know. then people in bed with. And then look, if we go down this route, then I'm just going to start talking about United Fruit and <laughs> right. right. Yeah, we're only two banana wars. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we're only two degrees away from that, and uh, and we want to talk about our banana republic, <laughs> not the former ones, and not the one that's owned by the Gap or whatever the meat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <A> banana republic. <laughs> what a horrible brand name! Did anyone ever think of why? Like, yeah, they right, should call right. that like fashion. Regime, the new, like the premium line from you know Gap. What, you know what people like to think about when they're buying khakis? Uh, war crimes. <laughs> but the, the fantasy that you're buying there is that you're, you know, part, you're, you're a war criminal yourself. Yeah, part exactly. of the ruling exactly. regime. Yeah, that should be Tommy Bahama's uh, <laughs> tagline. Because that is what, like, Cayman Islands guys, like, Oh crap! I shouldn't have said that. Oh crap! I definitely shouldn't have said that. Like in the yeah. the, pa- the, pa- the Panama Papers. Yeah, the Panama. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, Banana Republic is a comically bad brand name. If anyone, I've never thought about that before. Yeah. Right. Particularly for a company that probably definitely uses uh, third world industrial <laughs> yeah. labor, oh, at least labor from running. Banana Republic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing about DECA that uh, it, another thing that struck me was that. Um, 
this might actually not be like that bad of a move for Trump. He's not really doing anything. And given that like he has like a pretty historically low coalition, uh, his approval rating is at 37%, which is like even bit, bit like sub like end of Iraq fiasco Bush level, yeah. you know, maybe he really is right to not let go of like that base. Do you know who the base right. John is at? Like who's the Trump base at this point? I, I mean, I, I think it's just like scattered people all over the right. Like, They've I think if you take any kind of demographic group, they're like, Pepe, oh, we're not Pepe so sure frog. about this. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> just the Pepe's of the world. There's not but, that many Pepe's, though. Right. I mean, I mean, there was like a poll on this that I wrote down. Uh, like, 76 percent of people think you know dreamers are fine. Like, yeah. I don't know, but it is that other 25 percent that, and that's what Sessions is there for, right? And Sessions is trying to get back in Trump's good graces, and so you know he like ambles out and runs through the greatest hits, and that. Does the you know it works for sessions and it also gets the base all excited. So he's kind of like this lightning rod a little bit, like but he's well, like right. so, so he can be like okay, we can get the base people excited, but also it's like I don't have to. The rest of America that is now has to listen to me is not as like, right. like oh yeah they can blame it on him. And it's can, like a gift to Trump, and it's yeah. like you know sessions being like remember the good times right. Right? when we could talk about the immigrants and we hated them together. Point <laughs> number two, the president is smart and sexy. <laughs> Point number three, I like him. Yeah. But you know you were talking about. Uh, back in 2012 how they all work together that's actually like that is also like a weird part of this genesis story with trump because i think that's i think i, I could be wrong but i think it was around that time that steve bannon and jeff sessions became like best buds campaigning against this thing oh yeah that, uh, that uh, bannon introduced sessions to trump no way yeah. really yeah wow and what is their shared and who do they both hate <laughs> well you know it's it's i mean the, the uh, session set of white. enemies yeah right <laughs> sessions is kind of like the i don't know he's like the original hipster but like for all the breitbart stuff yeah, yeah. like they were so eager to you know get interviews with him that kind of legitimated them i would be shocked if if sessions knew how to like access an internet news site <laughs> like, <laughs> if he actually reads breitbart there's yeah. no way um does jeff sessions have a twitter account maybe we should set him up with one of those that would be great i don't know but yeah uh, I'm sure he has a couple parody accounts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Stephen Miller was one of his guys. I have to imagine that Steve Miller was tweeting as Jeff Sessions Did at some know, point. I didn't realize that Steve Miller is 31 years old. Oh. Yeah. I'm the same age as Steve Miller. <laughs> like, I was like, right. you look horrible. Like, How does that make you feel about yourself? I'm, Good and bad at the same time. Right. Like, it's like, I feel like I look. He's good. very accomplished. I was gonna say this thing. Like, I feel like yeah. I should have done more he, with my life at this point. But he's also like, no. He's don't don't envy. He he looks like he had to go collect a toll from the River Sticks guy or something. Like <laughs> he, got, he got banished in some Greek myth. Yeah. Um, the funniest Steve myth, uh, Steve Miller uh, like soundbite that I've ever seen or clip was from when he was in college and he was just like a piece of shit provocateur, and he's at a microphone. And he's like at some rally for, uh, you know, they wanted to get the the, the university employees like a better. Union I think wage. that was when he was in high school. <laughs> I, think, I think that's his. That's it from when yeah, he was, yeah. he was he, campaigning in high school to be class president. And everyone everyone remembers he just him. always yeah. sucked. Oh yeah, hey, that, that's why. That's how. And that also is a testament to how horrible he looks because <laughs> <laughs> you're like hey, he had to leave easily be a senior in college yeah. or like grad school or something like that. It's like no, he was. Like, that was but so Stephen Miller's <laughs> at the podium and he's like, "Is anyone else sick?" being told to pick up our trash when we pay janitors to do it for us. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, That's him running for student council president at, I think, Santa Barbara High School. Yeah, at Santa Barbara High School, <gasps> yeah. where it's like, he's like, I'm sick of all these union janitors in our, like, in our fancy high school. You know? Right, right. Santa, like, um, he followed his mom's shit on the way out. Yeah. Um, okay, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see if anything happens with that. I, yeah. I personally tend to think that I, I think... Uh, 
it'll be interesting to see if um, you know the Republicans can like muster strength to pat to do some god. It might actually be. What if the first thing they do legislatively is basically perpetuate the Dream Act? <laughs> but why would that be in their interest at this point? Because they're all trying to look like Trump, right? Or trying to do the Jeff Flake thing and get far away. To to the degree that the party belongs to Trump now, I, which it, it does, I think, um, to a large degree. I still think that there's some levels of like human cost that you, that they don't want to cross. I mean, they're still they're still speaking out against it. I mean, it's not a popular thing. Mm-hmm. I think, from what I understand, like one of the issues that the Republicans were having with uh, this decision was, which was called for by basically no one except for Steve Bannon mm-hmm. and at all, um, was that now that now he's just pushing onto their plate, which is the whole point of sending sessions out, which is the whole point of the six month delay, and so they're going to have to. Uh, they know they're going to have to face a public outcry on the level of like, um, you know, the try to pat the health care bill, you know, which I think there was a risk. There was a real risk at, at one point where it was like, hey, is anyone going to stand up and care about this horrible health care bill? And people did. I think actually like the so- social response like thus far in the administration has actually been pretty keyed into like issues that matter. And if that were to happen, they know they're going to face hell. They're going to be all over you know social media. And so I think that it is in their interest to try to forestall that. Um, yeah, they're caught. I mean, they, they're caught because yeah. they, they've set up this trap where they can only be misanthropic. And But it would be ironic if that was like the first real legislation they passed was something that they raked Marco Rubio over the coals for trying to... And it's, not, it's nuts because, I mean, you know, it, to, to their point... Well, to, to the Republican Party's history, I feel, you know, Ronald Reagan always said that or Ronald Reagan and George Bush were big on that community becoming essentially like a huge Latino community becoming of the, of the people that the dreamers are disproportionately a part of being a, like a huge part of the MS Republican 13. base. Right. You know, MS-13. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one part that they don't like. But they, like, I think the Republicans of that era were like, oh yeah, like the, like many like Latino voters are, we see them as like their future Republicans. They're that for, like, was family. what Marco Rubio was trying to do. Right, exactly. Right. They're, they're and Ted in a way. And this is what like why our, it boggles my mind how Somehow the Democrats need to take advantage of this because it's like, look, these people, like, they're driving these people away, and you just need to be like, look, we'll, we'll we want you here, and we'll figure out a way to like fight Trump on the Dream Act or like repealing DACA or whatever it is, and and get you to vote for us. The furthest the Democrats are yeah. going to go is to going to release a Spanish language version of Que Pasa. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Obama was promising this in 2008 to try and win, you know, uh, voters who might have otherwise gone to Hillary Clinton or even John McCain, who has right. a good relationship with the Latino community. Yeah. But then after making those promises, he didn't do anything yeah. until 2012. And like, I think that really, I don't know, I think it leaves a sour taste. And yeah, no kidding. especially at a time, I mean, in 2008, it was so, so eminently, you know, important. Uh, you know, it's, it's just... Uh, like, I think it's just, I don't know if it's just government bureaucracy or political, just like... Uh, uh, stale like political atmosphere where people just can't get anything done and they just can't they can't figure out a way it's like look these are people these are people that are, are could potentially be and will are part of like the American economy for sure and what could be for a long time um, and you you're just losing an opportunity to like in, ingratiate them into a, like a an economically and, right. and ethically diverse country that is the United States as opposed to just alienate them and just cause just like this weird kind of civil strife in between 
And like I said, like it, like geographically, it does like it makes sense why these people geographically and economically, because of NAFTA and all these other tra- trade agreements we have with Central America and and Mexico, it just makes sense that these people are moving openly between these borders. It's like there's no real huge natural border between the United States, Mexico. It also used to be Mexico. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Right. <laughs> the, the Rio Grande is a puddle, you know. It's not really so. That's like that's why like there's this like you know this open conversation about this, and it's like well the real macroeconomic forces and political economic forces that are going on here these people are just victims of that and I think and and you could just be like you could just take the opportunity to assimilate these people who want nothing to do but and I think that narrative would win out is is kind of my contention like I think that the interest of the Republicans would be trying to make sure that the narrative of these are actually people not illegals right like that that could easily dominate because they're and they're also you know functionally American like yeah they're yeah. functionally American they're religious family oriented people that work really hard and you want to just get rid of them <laughs> and, the, the, like, the human interest stories are like just gonna kill them right yeah. that guy who died and I mean I don't know if you guys saw this. Oh, what, yeah. what did they do to this guy? Was yeah. out uh, rescuing people in Houston after Harvey. His boat <laughs> flipped over and he died. And you know, the the day that his story made headlines was the day that Trump, you know, was previewing this announcement. And that was yesterday. Yeah, you know that this was yeah. going to happen. And he wasn't today. even yeah. he wasn't even a citizen. He lived outside of Houston and he volunteered. Like he was a volunteer. Right, he, right. He, he came he, in. Yeah, he, yeah it yeah. wasn't like he was guys like all right. Well, I just I guess I got to help because I'm being like a thousand year flood is coming into my city. Right. But it was like a guy who volunteered actively was like I'm a part of this community and I'm part of I'm part of a yeah, Texas culture. Right. And he, and he unfortunately sadly died. So and that's who a lot of these folks yeah. are because to be a DACA recipient you have to be like either going to college you have right. to join the military they're like people who are like more American than most Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, they had sure. to try harder to be Americans. Yeah. yeah, right. Also, I prefer to call it Adesha. Like uh, <laughs> the, in uh, the opening of the Matrix, I think that's the girl with the white rabbit's name is Adesha or something like that. Um, yeah. Also, uh, it sounds I, like Kesha to me. <laughs> <laughs> Dasa. Yeah. I will uh, never forgive Rahm Emanuel for um, advising Obama to like increase deportations uh, at the beginning of his administration to try to build political capital. For, right. Right. And he's a piece of shit. Um, right. And that was all ahead of the 2012 thing yeah. where Obama was finally going to be like okay we got all the bad ones out right, now yeah. let's help the good ones become citizens yeah, but like, the politics still, of that I don't know about the Republicans were like you yeah. forgot how much we hate you not them <laughs> I feel like it's all informed by I think what happened is Trump and everyone that and every part of his base just has scar like the beginning scenes of Scarface on loop in their head where it's just like Castro dumped off like they're like Castro in 1980 Castro unloads everyone in the prison system onto Miami crime skyrockets a thousand percent like so that's what's going on in their mind yeah. with the dream there's, there's like, a lot of narratives from 1980 yeah. that are circulating yeah. right now. <laughs> Burning inner cities, yeah. rampant, you know, the hopeless ch- African-American communities. And, the yeah. the uh, Chinese currency manipulation literally has not even been talked about since like 2007 Because they're manipulating Bitcoin. Yeah, now they're manipulating <laughs> Bitcoin. They're trying to ruin the petrodollar. Yeah, right. um, anyway, so let's uh, move on to, to the next topic. Um, Gear shift. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, basically, do you want to walk through this is the Sinclair deal? Yeah, um, yeah, sure. So um, there is this company called Sinclair Media, and they own um, uh, around 150 local television stations, right? So they're not necessarily, you know, they're not Fox or MSNBC. They're not that kind of label. They're people who actually own the broadcasting equipment in communities across right. America, right? So um, the Tribune company tanked. Uh, part of it became this thing called Tronk. <laughs> the the other parts of it, the broadcast parts of it, are just kind of floating around, and someone's going to buy them up. Right. Sinclair uh, successfully bought them up. Rupert Murdoch was looking at it, but Sinclair, or uh, they didn't successfully buy them up yet, but they got their merger moving forward. Right? They closed the deal so, for it. Yeah, yeah, they closed the deal. 
And, um, yeah, the thing about Sinclair is, though, that uh, kind of in the same vein as Fox News, they operate sort of like a national television network right. where um, they stick this this coverage with a certain editorial perspective in at all these local news stations, and it's very, very conservative stuff. One of their main commentators used to work for the Trump administration and his childhood buddies with, I think, Don Eric, Jr. Eric Trump, yeah. Yeah, or Eric Trump. The okay, two yeah. hottest guys on campus, <laughs> Boris Epstein and uh, Eric Trump. Right. Is it the people who own the, like, is it the News 12 networks? Is that it? Or no? Is it like, the, you know, like, there's the, the 12, like, I know that there's, like, the tw- News 12 Long Island and News 12 Upstate New York and or, like, wherever. And I, well, and I also am curious because is this why that for some reason I hear about crimes in my neighborhood Way faster from my mom than like so my mom will call me and was like there was a crime in Brooklyn and like and it's like they they activate this like really like close base of just like oh no there's like they're like the streets of Brooklyn are just like basically like a, a yeah. gunfight like nonsense right like, and yeah so the, but the, I don't know I, I mean and I don't know for sure but yeah. that sounds uh, that sounds like a likely candidate that right, sounds yeah. like the kind of thing I, they do you, yeah. you hear the same thing from like my mom or from Meg's parents or whatever they'll, they'll all of a sudden hear like uh, they'll, the, their description of where I live is or and where they live is very different from a narrative that I understand so it's, right. uh, it's that uh, I understand to be reality so <laughs> my, my favorite kind of uh, story about uh, their um kind of journalistic standards in that vein is they had some story about a, uh, a bank robbery <laughs> and with it, they stuck a picture of Black Lives Matter activist Duray McKesson because <laughs> oh like, somewhere else on their, their website, they had a thing about how he was, you know, kind of uh, extremely aggressively arrested during a protest. So I don't know. That picture was floating around. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, and that's how they had that tagged or I don't even know. Just but some it's, intern uh, phoning yeah. it and it's like, this isn't <laughs> worth it. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, you know, folks folks see this as they're like, oh, it's it's local news. And, you know, you shouldn't have to be hyper-media literate to yeah. tune into your local newscast and understand what you're getting. Yeah, so yeah. they, they could sneak this stuff in under the radar. I see. Yeah. But, um, one yeah. of the things I got from, I think you wrote this in one of your pieces on it, was that apparently like only f- or 40% of people read like online news and the rest of people right. don't. Or what was the stat? It was something like that. It was Well, I, I think the, the uh, I think what that was, was uh, the majority of America still watches their local newscast, yeah. right? Even though, like, you know, us young, young uh, whippersnappers. And millenniums. Yeah, we're right. Millenniums. And, and to a large degree, I think we're, we're behind <laughs> the... Broken glass. First broken. Yeah. We just uh, <laughs> Jewish sorry, wedding uh, yeah. this <laughs> inaugural podcast. Um, I think that uh, that's one of the reasons. I mean, I assume that's one of the reasons behind this like increasingly consolidated media environment, right? Because because there are fewer people that are getting their news from there. It's it's weird because it's this situation where it's still a very pernicious threat to have all this consolidation happening. Right. It also matters way less than ever and is going to matter increasingly little. Right. 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 And I mean, I would argue that, you know, this larger kind of umbrella issue of media consolidation, like it also uh, pertains to like MSNBC and CNN and Fox, like a lot of the news coverage people get, they don't trust it because it doesn't sound like, you know, it, it just doesn't, it's not engaged with their issues. It's telling these kind of like big national narratives. And yeah. I have a, th- I have a theory. This is getting away from the Sinclair topic, but I also have a theory that, and I, I thought of, it struck me when I was hearing Richard Spencer talk about the Lugan press at the like yes. alt-right thing, like a couple, like almost a year ago. Um, 
And he was he was decrying the Lugan Press, which is like a you know literally <laughs> a German a, a term from the Third Reich about the lying press. A transparently Nazi phrase. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't even just say lying press. Why did they have to use the German? He said, he said or to use the original German. <laughs> the, the original German is in the language all my ideas come from. And um, and it got me thinking though that like the, there's a reason why this idea about the lying press or like the sort of fabricating machine is so portable. And I think it also has to do with the reason why we don't trust them now. And it's because they have to tell stories. And whenever you tell stories, you have to, you know, you're self-select. You're selective about what you're saying. You probably come across with some sort of an agenda most of the time. Uh, it, I don't know. It's hard for media to get away from that. And I think that, like, with a lot of these, um, like, <laughs> these increasing, um, the, the competition now that exists for, like, right-wing commentary, you know, and, and just, like, punditry, um, it's like, this is the only thing that sells, you know? I mean, right, right. I mean, the storification of it. Yeah, totally. And uh, folks, uh, you know, they, they want the lead of the story to tell them what to think of the story, right. and then the facts come next. And, yeah. like, I, I don't know, I'm personally am guilty of this, too, when I'm just like... It's just the journalism you know. class right now. It's like, that's how it works. It's like, you just have to... You, we know what sells. We know the headline that sells, and we know the narrative and the lead that sells. So, like, let's just... Let's give... Let's build on that. And we'll build a house on that foundation and just find this facts where it's, like, wherever we can right, among right. that and then support You know what's an way. interesting angle on this, too? Yeah. I wonder if you could say that explainer... The f- phenomenon of explainer media is kind of the same thing because the story that it's telling is to, like, a crowd like us, the story is you know now. You know, right? And yeah. so it's I equally, think about this a lot. It's equally yeah. sort of um, uh, pandering to us, right? Yeah, um, and you know, I think it, it comes in a guise. You know, things like Vox and whatnot come in a guise of you know uh, being kind of at a higher level than um, some some of this right wing stuff. But it's you know, it is still you know sculpting to fit your worldview. Yeah, and it's yeah. reinforced and it's and it's reliance on statistics, which is the idea that you know you don't have to actually be in Houston to understand the situation, yes. Houston, you know, and so it's it kind of plays to the same comfort with worldviews and and sources that you know Sinclair is doing to, you know, all these grandparents that watch whatever's on the antenna. And, and when you ask Sinclair, that's that's what they say. They say, you know, that, they, well, they say that, you know, the the other argument is well represented, so we're going to represent ours and it's like not, though. I mean, like it's just not the right. other that's the, what drives me nuts about that is that it's like, well, it always, and it's what we're dealing with in how people like uh, express their opinion. Their, in the, the way even that Trump dealt with the idea that, oh, well, there's bad people on both sides. And it's like, okay, you're openly supporting Nazis right now. <laughs> <laughs> even, even if maybe like Antifa people are like throwing smoke grenades and punching people, it's like they haven't advocated for like the genocide of a group of people, you know? Important difference. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, that's like, so there's a big difference there. And then, but so anyway, but like, I think he's a part of that phenomenon and his generation. I see it in people, again, not to talk about our parents' generation too, but I see it like whenever I say a thing, whenever I like go on a rant about the Koch brothers to my dad, I'm like, it drives me nuts. He's like, well, what about George Soros? And I'm like, that's, uh, and I'm like, I guess maybe you have a point there that George Soros finances, uh, but I'm like, no, David, the Koch brothers are this family of Mr. Burns's that like just like go, are actively trying to like ruin America or like recreate it in this weird like like Mad Max libertarian hellscape, uh, which they're doing a pretty good job at. And, and like they, and I, you know, I don't know enough about George Soros because I haven't got my He's check got yet. I haven't got my check in the mail yet, Mr. I know. Soros. He's got so, infinite money. He paid everyone to not go to the Trump rally. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the and Trump the, inauguration. George Soros only made his money shorting the British pound, whereas Dave, the Koch brothers 
or the Koch's father made his yeah. money essentially selling oil and gas equipment to the Nazis and the Soviet Union. So, you know, apples and oranges. Where is George Soros in the Sinclair stuff? I want I want a Soros Soroscape. You know, like I don't a, know where George Soros is at all these days. I mean, but the, you, I guess you could say that with any kind of power center in the Democratic Party. Yeah, that like, is definitely I, true. I don't know where any of it is right. these days. Yeah. yeah. Is Tom Perez still in charge? Yeah. Uh, that, yes, or, yeah. What's he doing? Uh, you know, uh, 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 gerrymandering, maybe. <laughs> Crying. Someone's doing gerrymandering. Do Obama's doing gerrymandering. Do, yeah. Gerrymander um, better. But uh, yeah, I guess, the, so that's, and that's why, again, I think this whole, what I want to, even with the Sinclair media story, is that uh, what I wanted, what I have advocated before is that we need to, like, democratically or in some way come up with a way, and I know we have PBS, but PBS isn't, speaking of Koch oh, yeah, brothers. PBS is Yeah, it's like mostly struggling. Yeah, yeah, financed, and it's mostly, and it can be influenced mostly by people like foundations like the Koch brothers or whoever, like wealthy, influential media. And it's not like, I it's blame not viewers like, like you. Yeah, and viewers like you, yeah, enough. when you pay, you know, 10 bucks to get a tote bag or whatever. Um, but they don't, they're struggling, and I think that we just need an investment the same way that the UK has a BBC, and they, and I know we have a trouble doing it here. It's like our First Amendment law almost bites us back here where it's like we we have to just let the free expression like the interpretation by the supreme court doesn't allow us to have this like kind of state-sponsored media and i know that's a right yeah. right but like it's you know at least in the uk they have these rules governing it where it's like you can't you have to give everyone equal time in like the two weeks in advance of the election or the you know france has it too and so we had that here we, it's a, it abolished now. Yeah, I know. Right. Or it, is it abolished, or is it just not adhered to anymore? No, it's. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's abolished. The the, the equal time yeah. thing. Well, yeah, and we but we did. Yeah, we had that. I think you wrote about that. And when we we slowly progressively, and it really yes. fell apart in the Reagan administration. Or under and then what under was his name? it accelerated under Clinton then too. Right? Yeah, the and this, is, and this is the media consolidation that right. we used to have these laws saying that you know no one corporation could be reaching you know beyond X percentage of Americans or uh, uh, X amount of geographical space. Right. Uh, and that's all gone now. And that, that did start, I mean, yes, it started under Reagan, but the actual laws were put in place under Clinton. It was, it was in yeah. 1996. 1990, exactly, yeah, okay. yes. And yeah. so that, that's continuing further now because yeah. the dude who heads the FCC under Trump is super close with the Sinclair people. Right, right, yeah. And, um, you know, he... Pi, uh, he pi, right? Yeah, Pi, <laughs> a former Verizon lawyer, though that has more okay. bearing on what he's up to with net neutrality. Than, yeah. Uh, well, and that's another huge part of it, though, is net neutrality. That is kind of like, there's dovetail each other certainly they like, do yeah you know, where it's like i mean if i mean if net neutrality comes around this podcast is getting sh- or net neutrality is eliminated yeah. we will have a seriously hard time <laughs> launching this podcast right. up more tajik tajik uh, listeners i know we, uh, our tajikistan our tajikistani listeners are still loyal to you and they, they might not have dark t- web yeah <laughs> <laughs> they can get it on tour yeah we'll just yeah, have right. to write yeah we'll have to run everything through a vpn it's really only going to be more of a, an annoyance to me than uh, <laughs> than uh, than uh than uh, but then I also then what am I going to do on tour? I have to figure out tour, tour browser, and then I'm going to be I'm gonna, like next thing you know, I'm going to I'm going to end up. You're like, going to get e- very easily distracted if you get the tour browser. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of other cooler stuff than our podcast on tour. Um, yeah, I mean, so we can slip into this next uh, next topic then, uh, which is regulation. Yeah. yeah, which is basically that um, the the Trump regime is running roughshod over. Oh god, I sound like my mom. Like Running the Trump regime and the banksters are behind it the again. Banksters, <laughs> yeah. that's a good one. That's like a that's I don't know. That's from some previous decade. Uh, oh that, no, that's like ten they, years ago. I feel like the banksters was huge around like Lehman Brothers falling apart. Yeah, and then, oh, they, yeah. And then the <laughs> banksters went. Okay. Then the, that's a full decade ago. By now the, way. the banksters are like you know just computers. Stephen Miller was just a young 
racist anti-janitor candidate for, <laughs> for for high school senior class president. So there's basically like a just a, like an embarrassment of deregulation going on right now. And um, John, one of the angles that you were talking about was that a lot of this seems like it's running afoul of the administrative. Oh yeah, the procedures APA, Act, the administrative procedures. Yes, which is basically a law that says that it, you can't just do shit. You have to like think about shit and like they have to actually comment periods and whatnot. And you have to actually pay attention to the comments. Like you know, if, you're legally required, yeah. to. and you have to uh, give some sort of cost benefit analysis right. uh, for how it's going to impact you. And a lot of what he's doing. Uh, so first of all, a lot of the regulations that Trump is putting uh, is, is trying to. He said he wants to cut 75 percent of the government regulations, which is. Just a good laugh. Um, and uh, he has basically t- tasked secret teams that no one knows who they are right. with doing it. And who they actually end up being are just straight up like the lawyers that either would directly benefit. Or even the benefit. former employees. Yeah. 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 Uh, lobbyists and former Why even employees? make them quit at that point? Yeah, so. right. Well, I mean, like one thing there is, uh, you know, there are certain ways they have to do things. In a lot of cases, they're not doing them that way. I mean, uh, Scott Pruitt has already been hit with lawsuits over this. Like at one point he said... Um, uh, he, he wanted to undo a, a, a fracking rule, and um, he had to address the fact that the previous, previous administration had found that this rule would keep kids from dying. So he said... What a horrible rule. <laughs> I hate I, that I rule. failed to see the utility. <laughs> I'm delaying the rule for a year, and I recognize that this will uh, jeopardize uh, children's health, but it's only for a year. And a court thought that was silly, so... They, they put the kibbutz on that. But. Right. The um, yeah. EPA example that I found my favorite was that there was, um, a, a, under Obama, there was a like, completely rational law that was passed to limit, it, it forced like oil and gas companies to limit the amount of methane that could leak out. And um, the Pruitt EPA just, oh, and, and because of the Administrative Procedures Act, the, the old EPA put out like, you know, a very detailed summary of the cost of this and said that it's actually going to be a net economic benefit, not to mention the Not to mention your air will not smell like farts anymore. (laughs) And, like, methane is, like, horrendous for the climate. It is the worst thing. Orders of magnitude worse than carbon dioxide. So aside from that, it's still going... And I think partly because most of natural gas is is methane, apparently. That's one of the reasons why it would actually be... Like, forcing them to do this would actually be a net economic benefit. Well, so they put out this report saying that and then proceeded to go through with passing the law, passing the rule, and um, the Pruitt EPA not only... Um, retracted it, but said that there was no available analysis, which is they like. Oh, they, I missed uh, that one. Just they lying because they, they just redacted. They were just like redacted. Yeah, like, right. just, <laughs> just black it out. They just like, oops. Yeah, file deleted. Never mind. I mean, yeah. where so where does it go? Like, I, I think that um, one of the the questions that I was wondering was just to try to put a silver lining on it, like. Okay, so uh, this is the like this is not quite a hot take because I'm not standing by it, but um, the idea is like we are in for a very uh, drastically changed regulatory environment over the next couple decades. You mentioned net neutrality, like there's woefully inadequate laws. Like most of the Supreme Court justices don't know what the internet is that well. Um, (laughs) You mean Ginsburg is just falling asleep, doesn't know what the the internet is actively. Yeah, she's the the good one. She's the one that we want alive. She could actually plug into a USB (laughs) port because she's so small, but she does not know what the internet is. And um, a lot of the young ones who do actually, I mean, to that point, yeah. probably are not in favor yeah, how of does Gorsuch, like, you know what? Actually, I know what the answer is. He hates it yeah. because every time I remember reading or I, I was wondering, like, what is the Trump 
out of curiosity, what is the, you know he's all about freedom, populism. You know maybe he's like for net neutrality. No, they're against it, and it's just a rule of thumb that like every the worst side of every issue is the side that is current that has, is being espoused. Right. I mean that's okay. the thing with both the Sinclair merger and net neutrality. I don't think Trump has an opinion on this. I don't think he even knows what's in the Sinclair merger or what net neutrality is. Right. So like AJ Pai can do as he will and. I mean, the, the, the kind of, uh, you know, um, uh, coda to the Sinclair merger is that um, now Rupert Murdoch, who doesn't want to see this thing go through, is having dinner with Trump and telling him, like, hey, you should pay attention to this thing. So maybe it won't actually go through because Trump's other buddies, including Rupert Murdoch and... Uh, who controls his favorite television station right. and television program <laughs> and with his, Fox and Friends. He's, yeah. he's, uh, uh, Chris Ruddy of Newsmax, which okay. is a site that I don't know who reads that, but Chris Ruddy gets to go to the White House a lot. Isn't there like, like Taboola or something? It's like Taboola? A, yeah. Oh, or, do they own each other? No, or, or like Outbrain. Like, you know, one of those like things, that, you know, it's like got some hot female golfer right. in the bottom. And you like, I'm not going to click that. Yeah. That's a virus. This, right, this is like, this whole story is like the cartoonishly evil... It's it's like they want to recreate in John Carpenter's They Live, like the beacon that prevents people from seeing them to be like the monster ghoul, like alien ghouls that they are. You, you've seen, have you guys seen They Live? It's Not great. familiar. No. Go, I'm only everyone, familiar with the works oh, of Joseph Go Campbell. check out John Carpenter's They Live. It's a great 80s movie. Oh, uh, I have seen I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah he puts where, on the glasses. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, put the yeah. Gla- you know, Roddy Roddy Piper puts the glasses I came here to do two, two things. To kick ass yeah. and chew bubble gum, and yeah. I'm all out of bubble gum. But like, <laughs> like but he, you put on the, like, the... They have the beacon that controls every outlet and just like basically masks these people who are just absolute monsters, like in open public. And that's what they want to do. They just want to consolidate it and turn it into, like, I don't know why. Probably because they're actual monsters. But, uh, <laughs> they may actually be. I think it's a, it's a really woefully misguided idea of like what helps uh, the economy. It's, it's, it, so much of what the whole Trump myth represents is just buying into this runaway mythology. It's, it's almost like, um, it's just a, it, 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 you know, Paul Krugman used to talk about like the austerity fairy, you know, that all of a sudden these wonderful outcomes are going to happen when you just uh, maximize freedom or something, yeah. or whatever the, whatever the argot is. And um, it was never really true. It was always sort of like a strategically embraced um, concept. But, uh, you know, the same thing is like the corporatists that used to be very reliably in charge of the Republican Party knew that it wasn't, you know, illegal immigration that was responsible for, you know, most of the malaise in the society. In fact, they needed them, you know, to continue working. And, and But yeah. they, they, they allowed the, the populism to run away with it. And so when you combine all this, you have this, like, TV news president. Yeah, I, but, that, uh, yeah. I, but it's just like the, the manifestation I understand the root cause of, like, why people would be anti-deregulation. Because it's like, yeah, okay, if you want to start a small business and then you have to go through a bunch of red tape and paperwork and you're like, this is a pain in the ass and I just had a good product or widget or whatever that I wanted to sell, then, like, I get that, but that's not the case. Like these people are actually just actively what they're doing is deregulating, but only and then recreating regulations that only exactly. work in their favor. <laughs> like, and so I, the, I think that gets to what you were gonna say, yeah, right? Like, yeah, like, I'm not sure you actually. So, uh, yeah, 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 let me. Yeah, what was your say. your so, semi and, and, and I think you're right. So the, yeah, the my my type of take. Um, <laughs> We, that definitely has to be a, a theme song type of take. Down. Um, <laughs> is that we're going to change so much about the regulatory landscape in the coming decades? Uh, we're like we're changing the way that we the energy that we consume. We're changing the way that we um, you know, consume media. Everything is going to change. And so, um, shouldn't we start from scratch? Like, is it better to have sort of tabula rasa on this? And um, maybe if you know, let's say seventy five percent of the government regulation is cut, will that be easier to do? Um, John, would you like to say what we're all thinking? 
Well, <laughs> get it thanks, right. Thanks, John. All right. That's <laughs> I mean, uh, that, I feel like that question is very much apart from what's happening here. Because once this all goes through, we're not going to have a right. clean slate. We're going to have something that, is, that yeah. is completely warped. That is what we're thinking. Yeah, yeah, right? So many of our regulations were put in place when the world looked very different and the crises that we were trying to address we're different than the crises we're trying to address now. And, I mean, we're talking about media, but obviously the best case in point here is climate change. Yeah. Where, like, th- there is no solution to climate change that doesn't involve, Pretty you know, uh, yeah, the government stepping in and, you know, doing something about it. And also then, I, and well, it's, I mean, the media has to do with it in the fact that the, to the extent that people will be able to get information and believe that it's actually happening. Right. You know, and, and then to that point, too, it's that, I mean, like, Another regulated industry that is a direct, uh, direct um, part or causing uh, climate change is the oil and gas industry, cool. which was broke. Uh, similarly, in our history, was broken up Standard Oil, and all these right. other companies were broken up into multiple companies, and they were like they're purposely like driven apart as tr- like oil trusts and like the you know in the Teddy Roosevelt post Robert Barron age, and now but now they're just essentially reconsolidated. I mean, Standard Oil and then Exxon Mobil are the same company, just like reformed into like one. Right. <laughs> like they just and, and they just kind of re like turned into the. A transformer machine or whatever it is that came up like came to back together. Well, it's not the trans the Power Rangers machine, yeah, whichever one that go. comes together. Voltron. They, yeah, I think they all do to some degree. Yeah, I think they all have that <laughs> capacity. And, yeah, yeah and, and regulations on on fuel emissions and you know all of the there is no it, it's no one but a free market fundamentalist needs to be convinced of any of these things. It's right, but it, it is definitely a kind of a microcosm that we're witnessing of. Um, what I think has generally been the trend, which is that you sell populism, you deliver untrammeled corporatism, um, and Ajit Pai represents that. Um, all of these fucking ghouls that yeah. are like, I mean, like the there's a graphic that somebody put out about um, all of the the people that we know of that are like in charge of these just deciding these deregulations, and they're they're. I mean, they're doing it at, at at the same time, like very surgically, and also completely irresponsibly and just um, wholesale. You know, yeah, like right. everything's getting cut, but the, also the stuff specifically that pertains to what what was the Carl Icahn? Uh, it, oh yeah, uh, the Carl Icahn he, thing. I mean, that's so obscure; it's hard to take a position one way or the other on it. He just, it, you know, in two thousand six or uh, twenty sixteen rather, he became obsessed with a very particular regulation that applies to the um, renewable fuel standard about Mm -hmm. how ethanol gets put into fuel. He just became obsessed with this because he had a position. He owned some companies that required them to do a thing with ethanol, and he didn't want his companies to do a thing with ethanol because it cost him money. Was it Herbalife? (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole different hedge fund thing. Yeah, But it's a Carl Icahn thing. uh, (laughs) I think he just hates Bill Ackman, though. (laughs) Maybe that's it. Maybe it's some petty feud between him and Bill Ackman. I hope Well, yeah, I mean, you ask these folks who, like, kind of uh, cover him, and, like, he does just get obsessed with these things, whether it's his feud with Bill Ackman or this, you know, renewable fuel standard thing. But he basically entered government. He became part of the Trump administration so he could, like, take, you know, where the ethanol gets put into the fuel from, like, you know, being at, like, point C in the process and move it to, like, point F in the process so his companies didn't have to cover it. And then he just got kicked out of the government. And, like, that, that's it. But, like, he, like... <laughs> Did he leave on his own, of his own accord? It's or was unclear. He, like, like a New Yorker can't... article, like, put all this out right, there. Right, yeah. And then uh, the reporter contacted the administration for comment, and they're like, oh, he doesn't work here. And then, like, <laughs> a week later, he's like, yeah, I quit. Yeah. I quit today. So yeah. it's unclear what You can't, you what can't fire me. I quit. Yeah. <laughs> you see, they can't 
can't. There's so much of that. I'm right going to harass Bill Ackman again. That's more fun anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to call CNBC and get into a public fight with Bill Ackman. I saw Bill Ackman on the street, and his oh, yeah. eyes are so weird and pale. Oh, boy. That, he does look really, he looks like a ring wraith. Yeah. It's weird. He's Scott Pruitt also his short, has weird his short on Herbalife didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to get into Nootropics now. Maybe fix up his weird ass eyes. When are all the deregulations going to go away? He can put whatever he wants in those pills. <laughs> well, currently there's nothing in them. So <laughs> this this podcast brought to you by Bill Ackman's Nootropic pills. <laughs> Is that how you say it, by the way? I, I don't know. Was, I thought it was Nootropic. I, I thought it was Nootropic, but I think it is new. I used to pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of vowels. Yeah. Yeah. You have to dive in front of an explosion when you're saying it. Yeah. Um, all right, anyway. let's uh, move on to our... Um, we're not we're not solving any issues today. We're just lamenting the de- demise of oh, our oh, you know, regime. One more uh, thing on that point. The one thing that uh, Scott Pruitt and Asia Pai have in common is everyone who's close to them says they're actually just running for, like, Senate. Oh, really? Or, like, really? Yeah, they all just want to be elected Republicans, not regulators. So well, that's why they're, like, pandering so hard to, you know, that part of the party. That doesn't really play that well in the sticks, you know, like, the, the, to have been the one who let... I guess they do it's like, like hey, Sinclair are you the guy that let, like, natural gas into my drinking yeah, water? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they, that's, like, the ground zero, literally, for what... I mean, people in, like, Nebraska hate fracking, you know? But I guess he's a household name. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they hate fracking, but I'm not sure they make the... The broader connection. connection. And also, Scott Pruitt, like, I've been in a room with Scott Pruitt. He's, like, just kind of, like, looking at, like, pictures of him. You wouldn't expect, I don't know, maybe, maybe you wouldn't expect he'd be ca- terribly charismatic, but he is, and he's really quick. Okay. Like, he'll be a good yeah. politician. Yeah. You know who Can't I also feel the same way, but I've never been in a room with yeah. him, but Mick Mulvaney. You can, t- the budget director, you can tell that he's a very, like, sharp guy, and I would love to... Debate him and I ideally just be in like a tag team wrestling with a <laughs> folding chair with him. <laughs> um, so, okay, so let's move on to our last topic, uh, which is um, a couple months ago, this made waves uh, and it was basically um, kind of a sign of like the exploding uh, ridiculousness of higher education. And it was when Columbia's J School, um, well, you, you tell us. Yeah, well, um, I mean, they've got this new data program that you can pay a hundred thousand dollars for hey and yo. become a data journalist. <laughs> and um, John, can I be? Can you make me just a Nate Silver clone? Is that the, is the well? Nate I think Silver that's the premise. That's yeah, the, yeah, that yeah. you'll get these, you know, ripe young things coming out of school who want to be the next Nate Silver. And yeah. uh, so, what was uh, the reaction to this? Because I, I I saw that and I was like, first of all, data journalism. I think it suffered a big blow when all the polls were wrong about the last <laughs> right. election. I mean, it, you, if you wanted to, to put borders around the area of uh, data journalism, it probably roughly tracks like Nate Silver's personal reputation. Um, well, I mean, he does a kind of celebrity data journalism thing where he's like trying to, you know, his whole brand is like, look how right I can be. There's a whole nother field of it that's like, you know, let's ingest a spreadsheet of like, uh, you know, toxic chemical plants in Louisiana. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I, I overlay it with a spreadsheet of, you know, where like people are dying early. Yeah. And then you can do that with data journalism too. Pro and it's be, much less I mean, sexy. That, but, yeah. But that yeah. could be a potential solution to like, I mean, that would also certainly be a cost saving. And I don't know if it'd be good or bad, but like if you had a distribution channel for like getting that information out, like if, if, you know, someplace in Tuscaloosa, Alabama that mm-hmm. doesn't have local reporting anymore, but somebody at Columbia J School has, like, figured out, it's like, hey, um, th- this rare cancer seems to be springing up around your town, and there's also these, like, <laughs> types of chemical plants that are... Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, so it's like, I guess I can see the... Like, this this uh, type of reporting, it's super important, and yeah. it's true that it's super in vogue. Yeah. It's just... 
you know, if you go work at the Tuscaloosa local paper, you're not paying off your loans for a hundred thousand dollars. Exactly. So you know what we need to just to kill two birds with one stone? Are there any conservative data journalists? Like conservative pundit data journalists? Not that I know of. Okay, Sinclair, Would you consider Brad DeLong? I don't He's know. not a journalist. He's like an economist who blogs. And he's like a... Uh, <laughs> respected like, by both sides. He's that kind of guy. Yeah. He's a conservative. Who is the... Uh, Jared Bernstein. He's a oh, conservative yeah. Jared Bernstein. Oh, yeah, we he's saw Jared Bernstein. You remember we did we see Jared, Jared Bernstein, Bernstein yeah. at that place at the Tenement Museum. And I then you explained to us, what was this? Why was he at the Tenement Museum? It was a wedding yeah. and I were easily He's really socialist. <laughs> yeah, he, no, he was not even... It was like around 2009 or 2010. He wrote a book. You know, he was on a panel with someone who wrote a book that was basically... An analysis of the outcome of the stimulus program. The results were mixed. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it was about yeah, and it was about like TARP and all that stuff. And also, he he just had to he just like, I guess to be fair, this is where I'm going to sound like snooty coastal elite too. But like we Lenny and I both majored in or business and or economics, and he's just like really explained aggregate demand at a very simple level. And we're like, we fucking know what aggregate demand was, but like the, I, I suppose the woman next to us didn't. So maybe he's he, like, well. I think like, the thing I got from that was um, that he was very like tall and charming, kind of like the Scott Pruitt actually you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, he's short, yeah, but he's, he's short, really. Yeah. Scott Pruitt has crazy eyes. He's kind of like Bill Ackman style. It's all the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Um, they, they don't move a lot. Yeah, he's always fixed with the Mona Lisa. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I could see. I mean, I could see how Jared Bernstein, with uh, like no actual training in it, could convince like a he, Joe Biden that he's like you know. An I think he wants to be like a Neil deGrasse Tyson of economics. Like he, I don't want to. Do you know like, how many Neil deGrasse Tysons of economics there are? <laughs> like, yeah, but like, like but Neil deGrasse that, Tyson that, has that a little bit more. Be. But they, they're wannabes, yeah. But Neil yeah. deGrasse Tyson certainly has like. I mean, I guess you could maybe say even guy, like a guy like Piketty can pull, like he's he's very popular and could have been that, but he's just like. Uh, uh, just we, uh, uh, just we. I uh, just say that uh, we. It's just World War Two. Uh, the, 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 the destruction it's of the capital is. Let's say his name Sachs, Jeffrey Sachs. He's the yeah. guy from Columbia. Ugh, I, I don't like him. Anyway, back to data journalism. Anyway, <laughs> data journal. Yeah. So yeah. we need to we need to uh, allow data journalists to get jobs at Sinclair and. Well, what's bullshit right. in their way? Yeah. Maybe they yeah. don't allow them well, that's to pay another, off their debts. Yeah. Right, Sinclair also doesn't. What was the pay reaction? Anything. No. What was yeah. the reaction to that? That were people outraged that there was uh, that this was being offered? Well, it's weird. So I will uh, out myself. I am a Columbia J School graduate, and I feel like I'm more down on my degree than anyone else I know. Oh, really? uh, <laughs> so down look, with it or down you're, on you're it? down on it. Oh. Welcome to the. We, we are welcome guests anytime here. We are always going to shit on the cost of higher education here at <laughs> right. Advanced Thirteen. Well, that's you know it, it is a very expensive degree given what you're going to make and. I mean, kind of the other side of this is, you know, if you want to go $70,000, $100,000 in debt, like, you could intern. Right. And you could, yeah. inter- if, if you're willing to go $100,000 in debt, you can intern for four years. Yeah. And if you intern for four years and don't manage to get a job, maybe you shouldn't be a journalist. That's, that's kind of what Ira Glass did. Ira Glass didn't want to go to grad school, so he just paid people, like, 20 and 50 bucks to, like, edit his stuff. Like, that's what his story is. He's just like, well, I didn't want to go to grad school, so I would just, like, kind of find journalists or people that did, like, radio production and that kind of stuff. And I'd just be like, hey, can you just, like, edit what I wrote or, like, this, this thing I made and just paid him, like, 50 bucks or something huh. like that. So it's just like he just a guerrilla grad school. Uh, 
um, but like, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, it's like I guess then that lends the point was is everyone going to Columbia J School either just willing to get hundred thousand dollars of debt, or are they just part of a, an elite class of people that can afford to throw a hundred thousand? Definitely away? not the latter. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> not the latter. <laughs> you know, like, but it's I mean, you know, like there's. And there, then that also lends to the point of what you're saying about how it doesn't the the balance sheet doesn't line up, right? Right. Like you, you can't you can't make sense of heads and tails. They're like, all right, well, if I'm going to take out this, you know, B school students certainly can like make that argument. They're like, all right, well, I'm going into debt, but like, long term, if I go to Columbia that. Business School or if I go to Princeton Business School or, or Harvard, I'm going to make a lot of money. Right. <laughs> and, and there are ways to make a lot of money yeah. with a journalism degree, and uh, you know, I it, it's it's not. Identifying toxic sites for the Tuscaloosa, right, whatever. Yeah. It's not doing real it's, journalism. Yeah, it's, it's you know yeah. being uh, on air, whatever for yeah, I don't know the the network news. And, yeah, being you know, a, basically a being an actor. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Look, John, I don't know if you know this, but being on this podcast basically makes you a celebrity. Oh, really? So. <laughs> I kind of so hope not. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. <laughs> well, look, yeah, yeah, to, are you ready to pay off all your... <laughs> uh, if you put it that way, sure. There yeah. you go. Yeah. This is about to turn into cash cap. Yeah. Van 13 is actually the cash cap. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, so I think we... Uh, we, we covered some things. Got all of it out, yeah. Um, well, is it, do you have any closing thoughts? I'm like, so you said you're down on Columbia J School, though. Like, what? Well, like, why are you? You're, are you not down on it, or you're like, are you down on the price tag associated? Yeah, with yeah. It? I mean, I think it it just is a ridiculous price tag. Yeah. For you know what you're getting taught to do, yeah. uh, it's essentially a trade school. Yeah. Right. Like journalism is not. Uh, it's not like, it's well, I mean, you guys went to business school. It's no, not like I, we're learning, yeah. like, economics or something. Like Economics uh, is a soft <laughs> science. When yeah, went to the business school, I, went to, I, did more of the, I did more of the artsy kind of I stuff. I didn't learn anything. I yeah. literally <laughs> didn't learn anything. We've never learned anything our whole lives, except that somehow we've made it this far. So, <laughs> um, And, we, have a, we, and we, we haven't learned anything, yet we still have many opinions. But, uh, right. But, I, but, but you're saying it's a trade school. Yeah. I, I, right. And, yeah. like, it just, like, um, I, I don't know. Like, the, the price tag seems completely wrong for that. And, but... Again, it's not like you can necessarily blame Columbia. I mean, maybe you can, but like, uh, you know, all of higher education is so out of right. whack right now. It's insane. Well, that's so, like, where's that, yeah. where that correction? I mean, that correction's got to come from like. I, I think a, it's coming soon. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I, I don't want to be the guy yelling about bubbles, but it seems like this is a good you know candidate what Peter for Thiel said? Uh, Peter Thiel said that uh, the higher education uh, system reminds him of <laughs> the uh, Catholic Church in 1515, which is two years before the Protestant Reformation, which it's funny that Peter Titlitz said that. Yeah. Also, because he's German, makes that extra funny. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, that's a it's a great point. I mean, you know, and again, you will about that, him, but I yeah. mean, that just goes to my point about how look if we just that would be anyone any enterprising politician who wants to get a if you just said. Look, we will find a way. We'll just give everyone who has some form of subsidized student loan debt, like, we'll give you $30,000. Or even, like, just, like, some kind of, like... It seems pretty easy, doesn't it? Yeah. It's surprising no one's tried that. Right. And yeah. You, you, yeah, just, you motherfuckers want to pander? Yeah. I got something for you. Listen, you're going to get an entire generation. Do you realize how popular that would be if I they know. had a one-time loan forgiveness? Yeah. It's just like a, it's like, a jubilee. That's what they would call it. it would, and they'd just be like, here you go. And it would be better than... It would, it would be better than the New Deal. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's adequate appreciation of how frustrated our generation is with just the, the, the like dread that comes with being downwardly mobile. Yeah. Like, 
if, if folks want to pander to us, it's going to work. It, like it, we, the we fact need that something. they're not doing that is just a sign of how out of touch they are. Not It has no bearing on the merits of the idea. And also just like that people are just like, I don't even, it's not even that I want a ton of money or a huge house. I just want to not owe a corporation <laughs> <Right>. money. <laughs> like, yeah. I just want I to want have not zero be an indentured money. servant. Yeah, like, I just don't want to feel like, oh, okay, I'm just going to have 400 to $500 in my wage garnished every month. And then like, I, it's also this, like to the point of the economic incentive, there's a certain point of where it's like, well, we've all just kind of had this, like, I think of me personally speaking anecdotally, like this malaise or just like, well, it's like really how many more extra dollars can I, can I earn, especially in a time when wages aren't increasing. All right. So it's like, I really can't just get the escape velocity on no matter what your degree is. Even if you have a business degree, it's probably pretty tough to do that now. Well, I, I also got a business degree at a time when I graduated in 2010 and that and was like everything we learned is like, Hey, business doesn't operate the same way anymore. No, it was not possible. I mean, they, there was no demand for the, yeah. you know, an, an inexperienced finance major in 2010. They were burned an effigy more than hired. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot about the economy that doesn't work, but I feel like one of the largest things is just the debt that people are saddled with coming yeah. out of school. And I need to avocado toast too. I'm not going to give that up. I'm not going <laughs> to, no, I right. need my avocado. <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. A, it's got a protein. What is Jason Chaffetz doing right now? Probably. Do these in Taiwan, like in a brothel? It's possible. He probably is. Doesn't he have to finish out the end of something, or is he done? I, I think he just bounced. I, oh, I don't man. know. The, That's I, a fascinating question. Uh, yeah. yeah. Fascinating and sad. Again, another theme, too. People are just like, peace him out. <laughs> like, See you later. Yeah. Um, um, cool. All right. Let's. Uh, well, John. Uh, John yeah. Thank, thank you for John Swift. Thank, thank you John for coming. For yeah. Thank by. you so much. Yeah. We're going to uh, have you back I'm real honored. soon. Do you, have any, do you have anything you want to plug or anything you want to? Yeah. I have nothing I want to plug. Visit BillMoyers.com. Um, yeah. You know, it's I got some it, stuff. I mean, I only found it through you, and now I'm like, I, I legitimately read it and was like, oh, this is actually really cool. Like, a lot of good stuff on here. Uh, Bill, give him a raise. He and, attracted <laughs> us to your site, and he's in a lot of yeah. that, apparently. And uh, Bill, <laughs> resurrect Joseph Campbell, and I would like to speak to him, because I have some thoughts of what Joseph Campbell would make of the Star Wars prequel movies. Bill Moyers probably gets asked to resurrect Joseph Campbell all the time. Yeah. Lenny, I do have something to plug. Go ahead. So... I have started an Indiegogo campaign. This is Brian Pisano starting an Indiegogo campaign. I, will, I would like to, and I'm offering all Indiegogo participants to get in on the ground floor here, and I'll give you equi- equity in this enterprise. I'm going to try to buy the New York Jets. No. Okay. No. Plug again. I, no. It's it's recording again. I fucked this up. I I, I did it. My own. God works through Brian. So I have started an Indiegogo campaign. You will have equity. I'm just trying to raise two point seven billion dollars. I don't think that's too much to ask. If everyone in the New York metro area wants a stake in the New York Jets, I think you can do it. They're going to lose every game this season. Woody Johnson's a horrible owner. They haven't done anything to appease their fans. They've only stolen money from every basically every regular Jets fan. What is your minimum donation? Minimum donation like $10? is $10. All right. $10, $10, people. And you can get equity stakes. Oh, and if you have a personal seat license with the New York Jets, I, I will personally... I will. We will take over. We'll figure out a way to take over your personal seat license. We're going to seize the means of New York Jets, and we're going to take it over. I'm going to raise two point seven billion dollars, and all I ask is that I'm the chief operating officer of the New York Jets. <laughs> if you got a critical mass of PSL holders, which is actually not that hard to do, you yeah, might be able to actually exactly. Sweat. So then, uh, exactly, we're going to. And also, I noticed this. I listened to a Jets game on the radio. Every single advertisement on a Jet, Jets preseason game is basically a local electricians union in northern New Jersey, <laughs> Brooklyn, <laughs> <laughs> and it's great. And I think I'm. Re- 
reaching out to those guys. Those are the guys who want part of this. I'm like, look, I'm taking the Jets back for you. They're going to be a team of the people again. And All right, let's make it go viral, people. That's yeah. Brian's a real populist campaign. Horrible, horrible football team. I will share my Andy Gogo uh, donation uh, link with this with this podcast in the link. Yeah, I can't believe I hit the record button. I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> All right, All right uh, well, John Light. Uh, yeah, thank you, John. Thank you for thank stopping you, by. Thank you, both of you. Um, and this has been the first episode of Band 13. More to come. More to come. I'm Brian Pizzano. I'm Lenny DeFranco. And you've been hit with a van. <laughs> <laughs> you just got vanned.